Let's pray and ask God for his help. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we do thank and praise you that in Christ alone we can have hope. And we thank and praise you that we can have confidence. We ask, Lord, that you help us to understand your word this morning so we can know what Christianity is really all about and whether we can be sure of heaven. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1979, the famous Christian Billy Graham came to Australia, and at one point he was interviewed on national TV. The interviewer asked, Mr Graham, are you sure about going to heaven? Are you certain? With no hesitation, with a big smile, Billy Graham said, yes, I am sure, I am certain. Well, no one expected the storm of protest that followed. The interviewer himself was flabbergasted with Billy Graham's answer. The switchboard lit up with angry callers. How dare a religious leader say such a thing? How could anybody say that they are sure of going to heaven? What arrogance! That was 1979. I think uh, today it would make people even more upset. Most people nowadays would say it is intolerably arrogant to be sure that you're going to heaven. What do you think? Do you think you're going to heaven? There's an old Italian saying that uh, uh, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Do you think you're going to heaven? Are you sure? Do, Do you think you can be sure? Or do you reckon that would be arrogant? In church over the last couple of months, we've been working through this book of the Bible together. It's called 1 John. It's a letter that was written by the John who was one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples. Now, normally for a special day like today, what we do is we choose a fairly easy passage from the Bible. I know we have lots of visitors, and so we try to choose something that's not too tricky. Uh, This year we decided we were going to stick with the series of of the Bible uh, that that we were working on, uh, the the, the uh, book of the Bible that we were working on. And as we planned the series last year, I said to Warren, let's have Sunday fun day on March 27th. Looks like a nice, easy passage from 1 John. He raised his eyebrows. I didn't take any notice. Until this week, I've looked at this passage carefully. Can I say, I understand what the raised eyebrows were for. Thank you. Um, I have to admit I messed up. This is not an easy passage at all. It's got a number of images that will not be familiar to you, even if you come to church every single week. This passage is not simple to understand, but can I say, though, it's worth the effort. If you do understand this passage, it could change the whole way you think about Christianity and about heaven. So if I can, I'm going to ask you, please, to to work with me today. I'll give you the background I think you need, and we'll try to nut this passage out together. All right, well, let's get to work. Now, the first thing John talks about in this passage is the world. And when he talks about the world, he doesn't mean geographically the world. He means the things of this world. And in particular, he means our human nature, our wants, our desires, the the kind of natural humans that we are. And, And he also means the influence of other people, peer pressure, the example of other people. John says in this passage, it's possible to to overcome the world, to have victory over the world. That assumes then that there's a kind of a fight, doesn't there? fight between us and the world. One of my many weaknesses is that I like watching the UFC, the uh, Mixed Martial Arts Unlimited Fighting Competition. I don't like the World Wrestling Competition where they're play acting. That's all ridiculous. I like the real thing. 
where they bash each other up, blood and guts. Uh, the, the picture that John is using here, it reminds me of one of those massive heavyweight martial arts bloke, like this bloke, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Looks like my twin brother, doesn't he? Uh, he's, nearly, he's nearly two metres tall, 130 kilos, 20 stone of pure muscle. Now imagine, imagine Brock Lesnar is holding you down like he was here with Frank Murr. It seems like there is no way out, no way to overcome this incredible animal. It's a sure victory for Brock in this fight, a sure victory. Well, John pictures the world as a bit like Brock Lesnar. Our desires, who we are inside us, the example of other people, they're like an enemy to us. They're fighting against us. They're holding us down, keeping us away from God. Keeping us, stopping us from obeying God, stopping us from loving God, stopping us from being good, stopping us from getting to heaven. The world is an enemy stopping us from getting to heaven. But John says we can overcome the world. We can have victory over the world. Like Cain Velasquez did with Brock Lesnar. He fought Brock Lesnar. And he overcame him. John is saying to us, it's possible to overcome the world. It might even be bigger than Brock Lesnar, but it is possible to get to heaven and be with God. It is possible to obey and love God. The world is against us, but it's possible to overcome. It's possible to make it to heaven. And how? How can we overcome the world? John says we do it. By relying on Jesus, by believing that he is the promised king and saviour. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. Have a look with me. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. John says, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he or she who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you get the image? Through Jesus, we can have victory over the world. We can make it to heaven. John goes on to talk more about Jesus, and he uses some more unfamiliar images. He says Jesus came by water and by blood, and he says that the water and the blood, as well as the Spirit, testify. As I say, unfamiliar images. Let me try to explain them. When he says Jesus came by water... John's referring to Jesus' baptism. Now we saw it in our second reading this morning. Jesus was baptised by another John, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. Now the thing about Jesus' baptism is this. When Jesus was baptised, it was when he identified with God's people. It was when he became the representative of God's people. Now, if anyone knows about representatives, it should be us today. Uh, yesterday we went to the polls. And we elected people into the New South Wales State Parliament. Why did we elect them? We elected them to represent us. You see, we live in a democracy. And in a democracy, technically, everyone is part of the government. You and I, we are the government of a democracy. But the reality is, not all of us have time to govern Australia. 
Not all of us have time to sit in Parliament and argue with each other, and so we elect people to represent us in government. They run the country on our behalf, in our place. They do for us what we can't manage to do for ourselves. Well, when Jesus was baptised, God declared him to be the representative of his people. So what does he represent us in? Well, do you remember in that second reading the very next thing that Jesus did? What did he do? Straight after he was declared the representative of God's people, he went into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan. Tempted to sin. Here's what's going on. Since Adam, the very first man, every single one of us has given in to sin and to Satan. Was it Oscar Wilde who said, I can resist anything except temptation? Well, to some degree or other, that's all of us. Every single one of us has done wrong. Every single one of us hasn't loved God like he deserves. We haven't always loved our neighbour as ourselves. None of us have lived a life always pleasing to God. None of us have measured up to God's standard. The Bible says we've all fallen short. But Jesus, as our representative, did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He was tempted by Satan, but he didn't give in. He lived a perfect life. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Uh, you and I, we can't manage to run New South Wales, so we have representatives do it on our behalf. In a similar way, you and I, we can't live a life that's always pleasing to God. We can't live the sort of life that will overcome the world. We can't live the sort of life that will get us to heaven. But if Jesus is your representative then he's done it for you. He's lived the life we should have lived for us. He came, as it says, by water. Uh, but, John says, Jesus didn't just come by water. He says also Jesus came by blood. Well, what's that talking about? Well, it's talking about when Jesus died on the cross. You see, it's not enough that Jesus lived the life we should have lived. God is just. He's good and perfect and pure and holy. And, and he's not content to let the sin and evil of this world go unnoticed. He's not content to let human rebellion against him go unchecked. No, God demands that sin be punished. But God also loves us. And so he gave Jesus not just to live for us, not just to represent us in life, God gave Jesus to die for us, to represent us in death. When Jesus died on the cross, that's what he was doing. He was taking on himself all our sins. He, he was suffering the punishment we deserve. The Bible says Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. He didn't just live the life we should have lived. He died the death we deserve to die. He came by water and blood. The third concept that might be a bit unfamiliar is this. It's what John says here about the Spirit. This one's fairly simple. In the Bible it says that God gives his Holy Spirit to those who rely on Jesus. He, he actually comes to us so that we know in our hearts who God is and what he's done for us. All right, three unfamiliar images, water, blood and spirit. But now we've understood them, let's, have a, let's take a look at this passage, come back to this passage, have a look at it. Hopefully now I think it'll make sense for us. Okay, so have a look with me. Uh, John says first... That Jesus lived and died for us. It's chapter 5 and verse 6. 
This is the one, Jesus, who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. Do you get that bit now? Water and blood. Jesus lived and died for us as our representative. In the next bit, John says that this, along with the gift of God's spirit, it's all evidence for us. It's God's testimony to us. God is telling us something through the life and death of Jesus and the gift of his spirit. Halfway through verse 6. And it's the spirit who testifies, because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. The spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Okay, Jesus lived and died for us. That and the gift of God's spirit, uh, God's testimony to us. God is saying something to us. John then says we should believe what God says to us. We should believe his testimony, the testimony of the spirit, water, and blood. If we believe what people say, all the more we should believe what God says. In fact, John says Christians must believe God's testimony, otherwise you're calling God a liar. Verse 9. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God which he's given about his son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he's not believed the testimony God has given about his son. Okay, Through the life and death of Jesus and the gift of God's spirit, God is telling us something, something we ought to believe. And what is it? Well, John tells us, here's God's testimony. If you rely on Jesus, you have eternal life. If you rely on Jesus, eternal life is yours. If you don't rely on Jesus, you don't have eternal life. But if you do rely on Jesus, you have eternal life. Verse 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And John says it one more time. He says, if you rely on Jesus, eternal life is yours. You don't, have to, you don't have to kind of hope it. You don't have to cross your fingers. You don't have to guess about it. You don't have to pull petals off a flower. He loves me, he loves me not, something like that. No, no. If you rely on Jesus, you can know it. Verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. All right, let's summarize. What's John saying here in this passage? He's saying it's possible to overcome the world. It's possible to be in relationship with God. It's possible to go to heaven. And how? Because of Jesus. Because he came by water, lived the life we should have lived. Because he came by blood, died the death we should have died. Because God has given us his spirit. In doing all of these things, giving Jesus to die for us, giving his spirit, God is saying to us his sure word. He's giving us his testimony. If you trust in Jesus, you have eternal life. It's yours. You can know it. Okay, sorry if it was hard work. I'm sorry I didn't listen to the raised eyebrows a year ago. But have you understood the passage? You understood the passage. Okay, what I want to do now, I want to come back to the issue we started with. At the start, you remember we asked the question, is it arrogant to be confident you're going to heaven? Is it arrogant to be sure about it? I think this passage can help us because the answer, it depends on why you think you're going to heaven. It depends on how you think you're going to get there. 
How do most people think you get to heaven? Most people think the way you get to heaven is by being a good person, don't they? You don't hurt other people, you be good to your family. If that's what you believe, that you get to heaven by being good, well, then it would be arrogant to be sure you're going to heaven, wouldn't it? Because what are you saying? You're saying, I'm sure I'm good. I I know I'm good enough for God to accept me. It reminds me of a workman who came here the other day to fix some stuff. Uh, We got talking. Because I'm a minister, the topic quickly turned to religion. And I asked him, I said, do you think God will accept you into heaven? He said, yeah, I'm a great bloke. I always do the right thing. I should be fine. I said to him, you don't have a wife, do you? (laughs) If you get to heaven by being good, then yes, it is arrogant to be sure you're going there. In fact, you need a reality check. You need to look in the mirror or get a wife who will tell you the truth. But this passage, it turns everything on its head. This passage turns everything on its head because what's this passage saying? This passage is saying, you don't get to heaven by being good. This passage, it assumes that we are bad. So bad we need Jesus to live the life we should have lived. So bad we need Jesus to die the death we deserve to die. According to this passage, we don't get ourselves to heaven. According to this passage, Jesus gets us to heaven. Because he came by water, because he came by blood, because he's given us God's spirit. We don't do it ourselves. It's got nothing to do with how good we are. Jesus gets us into heaven. And that changes everything because if you're humbly saying, I can't do it myself, but I rely on Jesus to get to heaven, well, it's not about you at all. It's, it's, it's about him. All this stuff about Christians being arrogant to think they're going to heaven, it misunderstands this basic point. Christians, and this includes Billy Graham, we don't believe we get to heaven by being good. We're not relying on ourselves, we're relying on Jesus. And so it's not a question of arrogance. Arrogance is not the issue. The issue is, are we right or wrong? Is is it true or false? Has Jesus done what it takes to get us to heaven? Is his life and death and resurrection enough? Friend, if you're not sure of the answer to that, can I encourage you, check it out for yourself. Come to church and learn more. Come and talk to me. I'll I'll recommend a couple of good books you might read. The issue is, is it true? Just writing Christians off as arrogant, it's not going to do anything. The question is, is is, are Christians right or wrong? Can I say I'm convinced Christians are right? That's why I am one. I'm convinced it's true. Jesus can get us to heaven. All right, before I finish, I want to ask you one question. It's a question that comes out of this passage. Here it is. Who are you relying on to get you to heaven? Who are you relying on to get you to heaven? The Bible says that the day will soon come when you and I will stand before God. We will have to give an account for the way that we have lived. And on that day, we've only got two options. We we can rely on ourselves or we can rely on Jesus. So, So who are you relying on? Now, if you're not sure the answer to that question, let me help you by asking you another question. Imagine, I don't want this to happen, but just imagine it does, 
Someone drops a bomb on the church and we all die right now. We stand before God and he says to you, you are standing before God and God says to you, here's heaven. It is perfect. No sin, no wickedness, no evil, nothing wrong in here. He says, why should I let you in? What would you say? How would you respond to God? Have you got an answer in your head? Do you know what you'd say to God? God, you should let me into heaven because... What comes next? What comes after that? If your next word was, I, then that tells you who you're relying on. If you said, God, you should let me into heaven because I've been good, or because I've tried to live a good life, or because I have a good heart, or because I go to church, or because I am full of faith, or because I anything, that's who you're relying on, yourself. Friends, if that's you, I need to warn you. You can never be sure of heaven. In fact, in fact, the opposite is true. If you are relying on yourself, God says to you here in 1 John, you won't make it. The Bible says, verse 12, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. But there is one and only one other option, and that's to rely on Jesus, to say to God, God, you should let me into heaven because Jesus... Because Jesus lived and died for me. Because Jesus came by water and blood. Because Jesus has given me your spirit. Is that what you believe? Is that what you would have said? I hope it is. And if it is, then friend, the great news for you is you can be confident. Like Billy Graham, you can be certain. The gates of heaven will be opened to you. Nothing in the whole world can keep you out. You've got God's promise on this. Here's what God says to you. If you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. Know it. Let's pray. <coughs> our Father and our God, we thank and praise you that even in the midst of our failure, you have loved us and you have given Jesus to live and die the life and death that we couldn't offer you we thank you heavenly father for the gift of your spirit and we thank you that everyone who relies on jesus can be sure of eternal life our father we pray for each person here today that you would help us to know who jesus is and what he has done and that you would help us to rely on him so that before the throne of god we can have a sure and perfect plea and we pray it in jesus name amen <laughs>